Thank goodness it's Friday. Hey guys, it's been a while. Aside from a busy week this past week, the last month has been wild. I've been wedding planning with my fiance, future planning with him and on my own, going to events, planning events, get-togethers. It's been hectic. (laughs) Now, for those like me struggling with your mental health, I'm sure you can understand that it's easy to go on autopilot. I get lost in busy work and busier schedules. So recently, that's been me on autopilot. (laughs) It's part of why there hasn't been an episode recently. And it's been such a long time since my last episode. While there is a people pleaser in me that wants to apologize for that, the logic part of my brain, as I like to say, recognizes that I just did not have the mental capacity to take on doing weekly episodes with everything else that's been going on. I started this podcast to not just educate and inform and create a community, but also for myself to have an outlet and have a platform even to discuss mental health and some of the things surrounding that. So all that being said, I have to recognize not just as a creator, but also just as my own personal self that sometimes I'm not going to be consistent. Sometimes I'm not going to stick to a schedule and that is okay because it's more important for me to take care of myself than it is for me to stick to a made-up schedule that honestly I never even finalized anyway because I'm new at this podcasting thing. So all of that aside... (laughs) I want to dive a little deeper on what's been going on the last month. However, I do want to provide the usual trigger warning. In this episode, I will be talking about a few of my triggers. I'll be talking about my feelings about dissociation, uh, how I'm feeling while it's happening or after. I'll be discussing my coping skills, things like that. So I know that this might be difficult for some people to listen to. I just want to give that heads up going into it. So now, I recently had a lapse in therapy. I usually have therapy sessions twice a week. But due to some scheduling and last minute changes on top of the fact that my therapist is currently uh, taking some sort of test for some sort of certification, I don't know exactly what it is, but all of that happened to fall right in line with my autopilot turning on. I had a lot on my plate between this new engaged side of my life where I'm now swirling in wedding plans and ideas and inspiration and questions and everything that comes with planning a wedding. 
There's another part of me that is a full-time employee at my job. And we are at the end of our fiscal year, which for anybody in the business world, you know that that means we are busy, busy, busy. And that does not change for anyone on the corporate ladder. (laughs) Everyone is very busy. There's also another side of me that is a daughter and a sister. So I have been trying my hardest to be as present and as available to my family as possible and share in them this or share with them this experience of planning the wedding together because I am the oldest daughter. So like there's just a lot that's been going on in my life on top of this very centerpiece which is my relationship. I live with my partner. We are making all these big plans and it becomes hard sometimes for me to actively show up to put my part in for every little aspect of my life. So autopilot allows me the comfort of picking and choosing which things I want to exert more energy and uh, more of my attention towards, really. So everything was fine, or, you know, at least it felt fine. I was getting things done. I was meeting my schedules. I was making sure that I cooked and I cleaned and I kept up on things. And we were, you know, doing the normal things like paying bills and buying groceries. And so you're doing all of this. And... Then this past weekend, I went up to Northeast Pennsylvania to visit extended family. Troy has never met my cousins or my aunts or my uncles. They all live back in my hometown. So for the first time, I brought a significant other up to my hometown to meet everyone. And I mean everyone. I went out of my way to visit people that I hadn't seen in years, invite people that I hadn't seen in years. It was such a rewarding weekend and there was so much nostalgia. I mean, I remember being a kid in my hometown. My sister might not. She was a baby when we left and when we moved to Delaware, but I don't know. I just, I remember such a magic about my hometown. So... I think there was almost a mystic cloud of nostalgia that was really providing a shade over me the entire weekend to prevent my brain from spiraling through traumas that happened in my hometown. (laughs) For example, we went past my old house that we lived in the last one that we lived in before we moved to Delaware and there's a lot of trauma that happened in that house but it was overcome by so much nostalgia and excitement about wanting to show my fiance where I came from so again everything was fine or at least it felt fine And then I watched Painkiller on Netflix. It's a new limited series. It's only got six episodes. And the guy who plays uh, Ferris Bueller from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I think his name is Matthew Broderick. 
uh, is one of the main characters. And there's a couple of other really great actors and actresses um, in the show. But it is a dramatization of what it was like when Oxycontin really swept the United States. I mean, the whole gist of it was that Oxycontin had already taken on such a heavy pull before the federal government was even aware that it was a drug. (laughs) So I will say ahead of time, this is a very hard show to watch. It is so, so good. It was so well written. The actors in this show are amazing. Like I, I cannot rave enough about how well this show was done. But it was done so well that it is very difficult to watch. And I would usually say, oh, it's difficult to watch if you have a family member or if you know someone who has struggled with addiction. And that's true, which I'll get into. But I want to make sure to point out that there are very realistic and horrifying examples in this show about what addiction can do to a person. And while we'll get into how it triggered me, someone who may never have been exposed to it might also find this show to be a little jarring. I mean, it's very detailed and I don't want to like give too much away about it, but that's my piece. So I do have a history with um, addiction, not personally, but my biological father was addicted to pills, which led to the harder stuff all stemmed from a really bad back injury that he got when I was an infant, I think. If not an infant, then definitely a toddler. I was young. Um, And I have also been in close proximity as an adult to someone who was struggling with addiction. And um, I actually experienced front row watching someone's life end because of drugs. I was watching this show. I became enthralled. I binged the last four episodes all in one sitting because I was just so interested. And there's a character in the show who is a father to, well, he's like a stepdad to his wife's son. And then he has a child with his wife. He got injured on the job. His primary care physician prescribed him Oxycontin as a bridge He had already been taking the usual pills for pain and it just wasn't helping enough. But this quote unquote miracle drug, as they called it, or the miracle pill, it gave him his life back from what he was saying in the show. And 
you watch him develop not just a dependency, but an addiction. You watch other people in the show, you know, buying it illegally or faking pain to get a prescription and then they're snorting it or they're overdosing. And it was just so... It it was a six-episode show, so it felt pretty accelerated. But you have to understand that I'm 30. And I lost my biological father when I was 12. But I really lost my biological father, who he was before the drugs... Before I could even walk, I think. (laughs) These drugs really did him in, took a toll on him. And from where I'm standing, it seems that it took 11 or 12 years for the drugs to take effect. And finally, he met his demise. But in this show, it was a much quicker process. And, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, shows are, you know, dramatic and they have to do it that way. But there are some people who used this drug once and immediately died. Like, that's how dangerous this drug was. So I'm watching this show and I'm watching the outbursts. And and let me actually pause for a moment and retract or, you know, come back a bit. In previous episodes, I have mentioned that my biological father also sexually assaulted me. I do not believe that there is any correlation whatsoever between his usage, like his drug use, and his sickness, which was pedophilia. I do not believe that there's any connection. Now, again, as I've said in previous episodes, I'm not trained. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not even a counselor. I'm literally just a person who went through a ton of trauma and has spent half of her life in therapy trying to sort through it all. But all that being said, I personally don't believe that one would have only happened with the other. I believe that my biological father was a pedophile. I believe that he would have sexually assaulted me whether he was using or not. And I believe that if he had never used to the extent that he did, if he had never developed that dependency and that addiction, while he would have still been a pedophile (laughs) and he still probably would have done everything he did, There is a whole layer of trauma I feel like I would not have experienced. As I was watching this show with multiple characters, this one character is what really hit me in the chest, this father figure. Because I felt like I was watching my biological father I felt like I was watching the progression of the addiction. I was flashing back to moments of my childhood where I've said for years in therapy that, oh, yeah, my dad was passed out or, oh, yeah, you know, he was off his rocker or whatever. And now 
I'm watching this show and everything is starting to click and make sense that a lot of what I saw was not passing out, but it was being too high to stay awake. It wasn't outbursts. He was experiencing withdrawal and it made him angry. We didn't have happy times. We had times that he was in this perfect medium of high that he could function and be a parent. But also get the fill he needed. (laughs) And I remember... (laughs) I remember my biological father going to rehab. I remember him, quote unquote, getting sober. I remember when things went downhill again. I remember the fights that he had with my mother. I remember the threats that he would make if he wasn't getting his way. I remember him disobeying the law to go out of his way and come see me, knowing he shouldn't have been doing it. This character in the show had all these same parallel experiences. I I mean, like, I, I cannot stress enough how it felt like I was just watching my biological father go through life. I mean, it, it was like watching him with another family. <laughs> and my fiance noticed that I wasn't doing well. I was suddenly exhibiting my anxious tics. He could tell I was zoning out a lot, which, you know, he calls it zoning out, but it's dissociating. I was mentally checking out because this show triggered something very deep in me that I was not expecting. (laughs) That night, I had nightmares for the first time in a while. And it's by pure happenstance that the next day I had a therapy session. (laughs) Um... So I did mention it to my therapist once we got in the session. I'm like, hey, we got to dig through this one because I don't understand it. (laughs) And now again, this is after visiting my hometown last weekend. This bittersweet juggle of nostalgia and trauma. The same way that I saw the last house that we lived in, the one where the abuse started, the one where a lot of pain started. Right around the corner was my grandmother's house that she lived in basically my whole life, if not my whole life. The significance there is that when I'm in therapy and when my therapist asks me to go to my safe space, it's my grandmother's house. So ironic that it's right around the corner from so much trauma and pain and anguish. But it was my grandmother's house. I even visited this past weekend with another person that my biological father assaulted. 
In hindsight, I can see the autopilot. I went through, I smiled. I introduced my fiance, hugged kids, hugged family members, hugged aunts and uncles and gave everyone my thanks for their support and congratulations. We even went to a festival that was happening in the town, this Italian festival, got food and listened to music and joked around with my family. But it's been a while, a very long while, since I've been triggered so heavily outside of therapy. Uh, Usually when I'm being triggered, it is in therapy because we're recalling something or we're talking about something that I just randomly thought of and I wanted to bring it out to make sure that I wasn't crazy or something along those lines. I had gotten really good in the last few years about handling my triggers and addressing them quickly. So I felt guilty. I felt like I should be better at this. You know, quote unquote, should be, right? I should be used to it by now. And all the other things that come with repetitive nature. I mean, it should be something that I can anticipate. It should be something that I can work through by now. I even mentioned that to my therapist. While in our session, my therapist actually, she explained it pretty well. I... You know, when you go through trauma, it alters your brain chemistry. When you go through any kind of trauma, that is a normal response that your body gives. That said, I have experienced quite a bit of trauma in my life. I have experienced sexual trauma, emotional trauma, mental trauma, physical trauma, and it's not one apiece. (laughs) Now, this isn't to say that I've got the worst of it. I am luckier than most, and I know that. But there comes a certain point where you wonder how much of what you do is based off of this altered brain chemistry or based off of yourself, like your inner person, right? So for example, if you go onto Photoshop and you put up a picture of, I don't know, a piece of pizza. I think I've actually seen this before that somebody did this with a piece of pizza. They Photoshopped enough that the pizza became like this curvy woman. That is the best analogy I can think of for altered brain chemistry. Your perspective changes without you even knowing it. Listen to that again. Your perspective changes without you even knowing it. 
If you stub your toe, you immediately feel that pain. If you break a bone, you you likely are going to the hospital that day to get things taken care of so you can heal. But trauma works different. There is no immediate reaction for trauma. Not for most of us. Our body stores it. For a lot of us, our body tries to lock it away. Our body tries to ignore it. But it's there. And something my parents have said my whole life, my mom and my stepdad, my dad, something they've said my whole life is that you cannot run from yourself. You cannot hide from yourself. That statement is so true in so many different ways. But when shining a light on trauma, you cannot hide from yourself, even if it was an internal form of defense. (laughs) Now, as I've gotten older, I have developed coping mechanisms. I love to read. I love to write. I love to draw and create. One of the things I've been diving into recently has been planners. I have a physical paper planner and I have a digital planner. At first, it was going to be that one was for my podcast and one was for my personal life. But I'll be honest, it's a way less expensive hobby when everything is digital versus paper. (laughs) I am a firm believer that books and paper and everything else, that's the way things should be done. But the convenience of digital for planning purposes, I I can't get past it. You can reschedule. Anyway, I won't even get into that. We'll talk about planning another day. But I I have all these different coping mechanisms. One of them is even cooking. You know, the other night when I was starting to feel a little anxious, I just got up immediately and started cooking dinner. Of course, Troy, you know, my fiance, he was thankful for that. He was like, awesome, we get dinner, awesome. And I don't necessarily need him to know that that is a time that I'm trying to cope. What I do need is the space to do it. And he gives me that. If I need time to do my own thing, I do my own thing. I have changed a lot of my habits to accompany these healing and coping mechanisms so that I can have a more reactive state when it comes to being triggered. Right now, I shut down almost. I start going into a spiral I would love to continue making these changes and eventually get to a place where I can be triggered by something and recognize it sooner than a day or two later after anxiety and spiraling and trying to isolate myself. Lord knows my fiance won't let me do it, though. He (laughs) refuses to let me isolate. I love that about him, Um, amongst so many other things. But... I would love to be able to just get to a place that I don't have to rely on so much to help me see that I need to work through something. 
one thing that I recently did was I bought a new book. I said one of my coping mechanisms is reading. I do love to read. Now, granted, I know not everyone does love to read. And I probably should have checked before this episode to see if the book I'm about to mention has an audio version. Totally did not check that. And I know if I do it while I'm talking, I'm going to slow down and I'm going to start sounding very, very slow. So I might just post it on my Instagram at some point if I find it. But I am reading this book called The Body Keeps the Score. And I'm probably going to mess up the pronunciation of the name because he is Dutch. Uh, but it's Bessel van der Kolk, um, MD. <laughs> this book was mentioned by another name I might end up butchering, Maim Balik, uh, the woman who played Amy Fair Fowler in Big Bang Theory, the woman who hosts Jeopardy. She had posted this book on her Instagram as a recommendation to her followers, i.e. me, and was explaining how this book had given her a different perspective on not just the healing process behind trauma, but the journey through that healing process. And so I don't know why, but I was immediately interested. And so same day, bought the book hardcover, actual physical book, because again, like I said earlier, books are the way to be. I cannot read a digital book for the life of me. I do not like Kindles. <laughs> but I get this book and I'm only a few chapters in. So it's not like I've read the whole thing and I can give you a full synopsis. But I will say this. I have brought this book up in therapy twice now. I have put in my AirPods and listened to ambient or classical music just to get myself centered and zoned in so I can read this book. And these are things that I have not done since high school, if I'm being honest. I mean, I have not, I love to read, but a lot of my reading in the last decade or so has been articles and, you know, things that I might find on the internet or whatever, but it's it was more of a lackadaisical approach to reading, if I'll be honest. I haven't really sat down and read a book in a very long time, uh, unless it was something that I picked up intentionally. I have a hard time putting this book down. There's a portion in the beginning of the book here that is comparing the trauma of war victims to the trauma of those who have been through sexual assault. And the congruencies are mind-blowing. The explanations and the way that the book is written is so eye-opening. And I can feel my perspective, maybe not so much shifting, but more expanding. I can feel myself opening up my mind to new ways of approaching and thinking about my trauma and my mental setbacks. I recommend this book highly if you like to read. If you are more of an audiobook person, like I said, I'll try to post it on my Instagram if I end up finding an audio version or if, see if it's available somewhere. But I'm bringing this up in this episode because it's hard to be someone who is such a mental health advocate, who is so open about 
you know, their story. Like, I'm very open about my life and about my stories. And it is hard for me to take on this role and take on this persona of, you know, a podcaster and also recognize that I'm still a human being. (laughs) I don't see myself being a famous person. I honestly think I might be a little too problematic. Not like Krishan Rock problematic, <laughs> but I definitely am a little problematic. I don't I don't feel like I could censor myself enough to be famous. <laughs> um so it's it's nothing like it's more just that guilt I was discussing earlier is a great example. I felt so guilty that I have not posted in a few weeks. I did. I felt so guilty. On top of this guilt that I should be better on work, working with these, you know, triggers and being able to control when I go on autopilot, there was a lot of guilt. But very much like this book had mentioned, like my fiance has mentioned in the past, like my therapist, even my mother, the only time I can ever say that I'm giving up is when I'm not putting the work in. The only time I can ever say that I didn't do everything I absolutely could is when I don't. (laughs) So that being said, the book, the changes in behaviors, the discussions I have with my therapist, these are all building blocks right, to my mental health improving. Now, some people may not jive with therapy. Some people may not like to read. Some people may have coped the same way their entire life. And while it may not be healthy, it feels good for them. You know, I can't tell anyone some magic spell on how to get better because let's face it, it's okay not to be okay. And I'm not healed, I'm healing. And as I've posted on my social media, as I've said in a couple episodes, healing is not linear. We're going to have good days. We're going to have bad days. And it's got to be okay because that's just is what it is. I mean, I, I can't change that. For 30 years that I've been on this earth, the one thing I can say for sure is that I cannot change something that is meant to be. My brain is altered permanently because of the trauma that I've gone through. It is what it is. It's going to be what it's going to be. The only way that I can work through is working on. So I work on my mental health. I work on what's triggering me. I work on coping mechanisms. I work on building different avenues and perspectives so that I can get to a better place. And sometimes I'm going to go on autopilot for three or four weeks and not post a podcast episode and get a ton of things done and feel productive, but not actually do any of the things that I said I wanted to do. There's going to be times that I am hypervigilant and doing absolutely everything and I'm present and everything's going great and there's nothing to complain about. Just like there's going to be times that I'm going to get those low lows. I'm going to get the nightmares or 
you know, even hallucinations. That was another thing that was brought up in the book. You know, people would say all the time that, and this was back in the day, you know, they were talking about, I think, the 60s, that whenever someone came in and said they were hallucinating or said that they were seeing things, it was immediately deemed schizophrenia because that was like the immediate symptom of schizophrenia. But then the question was asked, what if some of these people are not experiencing hallucinations? What if they're experiencing memories that are so vivid, it's like they're reliving them over and over again? Believe it or not, as well adjusted as I may seem for whatever that may even mean, (laughs) as okay as I may seem, I struggle with flashbacks. I struggle with the dissociation like I've talked about. I've struggled with having anxiety and panic attacks. There are some things that medicine doesn't help with. There are some of us, like myself, a lot of medicines don't work. But I will say this, and I'm going to end the episode with this. For all the things that my body has altered internally because of the trauma, I try my hardest to meet that with doing whatever I can to live with these changes And use them to my advantage. I have a problem with oversharing because of my trauma. That's something that people have told me for years. So what did I do? I started a podcast. (laughs) Where people actually want to hear me overshare. (laughs) I'm trying to make the best of the aftermath. And I think that doesn't get talked about enough. A lot of people talk about healing and about being on a healing journey and about doing what's best for you. But not a lot of people talk about living through the aftermath of the trauma or the things that have happened to you. So I say this. I'm happy to talk about the aftermath. I'm happy to talk about the ugly the stuff that we put in dark corners. Do you want to hear more things like that? I'm going to put a poll up soon because I think that there's a lot we can do together with this podcast to really work through some stuff. Today's episode was fun. It was really revealing for me even help me make sense of some of the stuff I'm working through. So maybe it did something for you too. Keep an eye out on the social medias. Keep an eye out for my announcements and the polls. I'm not going to promise again that I'm going to be more consistent. I'm just going to hope that I am. (laughs) Even though the season is almost over. I'm only doing 20 episodes a season and I don't know how long the break is going to be in between seasons, but... I don't think it's going to be long. I'm enjoying this. 
soon I'm actually going to be posting uh, a series of questions so that I can get answers from you guys about what you want to hear. And I'm also going to be putting up an opportunity for you guys to ask me questions and I'll answer them in an episode. Keep an eye out. Keep listening. And no matter what, keep pushing. You're supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be here. And we're supposed to do well. We're supposed to get through. Sometimes we just need a little help. And I think we can do it together. Have a great weekend, guys. I'll talk to you soon.